Hey, it's Jose Galison. This is No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. You can also find me on all, every major podcatcher and on Odyssey as well. Today, my guests are Magnus Pinvidia, Patrick McFarlane, and Will Bell. Uh, just so you all know, this should be uh, live up on my YouTube and Twitter. Right now, I have it going public for uh, going public because uh, it's a special occasion. It's uh, Thanksgiving, so I figured I'd hook you all up. I'll probably do this occasionally, do like uh, two streams that aren't behind the paywall. Uh, but as always, too, the uh, just to incentivize you guys to go to Odyssey, the uh, even when it's in that period of time where like I'm waiting to before I put it public, it will be up on Odyssey. So if you guys just wanted the free shit, you don't want to go behind paywall. I respect that, but go to Odyssey. You know, fucking go go support that shit. Um, uh, do, 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 like I said, it's live stream. So, but I'm going to probably at the later tonight or maybe even tomorrow, depending on how how charitable I'm feeling. I will take it down and then uh, put it as like unlisted or private, and then I'll release it as a numbered episode later. Uh, so my patrons, normally I, I do my live streams for patrons only. So if you want that, it's patreon.com. Just no way, Jose 2020. The lowest level is two bucks. It was pretty cheap. So if and you'll get access to live all the live streams, and you'll have access to the episodes in that period between uh, when it's um, in that period between like uh, when I do the stream and when it's public. Oh, looks like we lost Patrick. Uh, hopefully, he can figure that out. Oh, he's back. Uh, that was weird. Uh, you guys can't see it. I can see it on my bottom screen, just so you guys aren't like, what the fuck's this guy talking about? Uh, $5 level, you guys get chat preference, give you all a little code, which I completely forgot to do, but I, I have so few patrons, I kind of know who you all are, so I'll just know if you fucking uh, comment on this thing. Uh, the $20 level is for sponsors, and I'll name you all off uh, for every episode. So I have CD McRae is sponsor of the Whiskey and Tea Podcast, Jermaine Vincent, Adam, then at Big Boghorn of the No Time to Explain podcast, and I have a new one, a new premium sp uh, sponsor at Space Two Cat Two, at Space Cat Two K. Today the topic is Dune. Uh, we'll be talking about that. I just checked that out recently, the book and the movie, and I fucking loved it, and I wanted to talk about it. Uh, as always, go check out Top Lobster at toplobster.com. Use Jose at checkout for ten percent off. All right, fuck it. Not enough of this shit. Let's get these guys in here. Boom, boom, boom. What's up, guys? What's up? What to do? <laughs> all right. Uh, I want you all to go one by one and intro to yourself for the audience. And then also, I kind of want to, while you're doing that, have you guys say what the kind of what the what Dune meant to you, like kind of like because uh, I remember his stories differently. I'll give mine before I send it off to y'all. Uh, so kind of like when you read it, what it meant personally to you, kind of deal. It's a quick little synopsis like that. So for me, I never read Dune until until like recently my head my my boss came into work he was like shit i just watched a movie dune it was fucking awesome and i was like i always kind of known sort of of dune and i've always been a bit of a nerd so i've read like lord of the rings and like just shit like that uh like i was a huge lord of the rings nerd so i was that that, that kind of guy and I, I knew dune was like that that's like whole other world type thing but i never got into it um and then the movie came out and i was like you know what uh, the movie sounds as good. I'll, I'll check it out. I did the audiobook just to be upfront with everyone. Um, I mean, whatever. You know, I, the audiobook was really good for those who are interested. Um, but yeah, so I uh, I did the audiobook before I watched the movie, though, because I knew I was going to do the movie. Uh, the audiobook was like something like 24 hours long or some shit. I knocked out in like a few days, like in record time, because got really behind all my podcasts and everything. So I knocked that thing out quick as fuck because I, I was just sucked in. It was really good. Like, for me, being like a being like a politics nerd, this was like it. Like this hits on so many themes that our kind really touch on. And then it's like it really didn't surprise me at all when I found out how many people in this community were huge Dune fans. 
because it really hits on all the shit that we really like political philosophy just human like how humans behave just all that shit has a little bit of uncle ted in there a little bit of hoppianism a little bit of Anne prim a little bit of fucking everything it's it's wild um but yeah that's that's kind of where it was at for me uh let's let's uh let's go ahead and pass it off to y'all just give you your intro of who you are and then kind of go into your experience with the book i will say too for those i've only w- watched the movie and i've only read the book the first book because i know there's like something like five i think or some shit so and it gets wild i have gone on youtube uh, rabbit trails before and so i kind of have i kind of know where some of this shit leads to uh so i kind of but I don't know in depth. So like, uh, yeah. So, and I do kind of know where it's going. I know they do kind of pull a little bit of bait and switch. Paul isn't exactly the good guy you think he is in a certain sense. Uh, we find that out later. Uh, but yeah, I'll go ahead and let, let you start off will, and then we'll do Pat and then we'll do Magnus. Yeah. I'm uh, basically like you, I always kind of grew up knowing what Dune was. Um, saw the David Lynch movie as a child. And uh, it always kind of scared me away from reading the books because it was so damn weird. The uh, the, the voice guns and stuff. Have, have either of y'all wa- y'all watched the David Lynch? The weirding way voice yeah. guns. So funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, everything in that movie that made me uh, not want to read Dune or whatever. Like I used to make fun of it, like it was lame. Um, but then the Denny Villeneuve, Villeneuve whoever the new movie that <laughs> I, I love the guy i just can't pronounce people's names um but uh when his movie was in production i, I took a deep dive did the audio book just like you jose and man i crushed all six of them like just one after the other i could i couldn't stop it wasn't like i it was like sometimes challenging to get through a little bit of the headiness of it but it just kept drawing me back in um rewatched the david lynch movie kind of loved it now knowing that there's was a a better one on the horizon even went down that uh that documentary the uh joe dorowski's dune y'all ever check that out it's great it's one of the best documentaries and it's about the dude that originally tried to make the dune movie before lynch and it all fell apart went fucking crazy or something yeah yeah it's great it's a great documentary and all that shit i just kind of fully consumed myself in it H- hadn't checked out any of his son's books so i hear i hear mixed mixed stuff about that yeah uh, pat yeah well hey what's up uh thanks for having me on again jose it's yep. been too long and um patrick mcfarland i am one of the podcasts at the libertarian institute i'm a practicing attorney I've been doing my show Liberty Weekly for like four or five years now. And um, I do a lot of like, I've been trying to get into deep dive documentary stuff like James Corbett and stuff like that. So that's on the horizon. Done a few of those. But um, I've been into Dune since I was like 12 or 13 years old. Uh, The first time I went out west hunting with my parents. My first time hunting and we were at the airport. And I remember trying to get something to read and I bought Dune which is like as a 12 year old, not something that you would think would happen. So I was, um, I was telling you guys that I remember when I first uh, installed steam on my computer, I needed a screen name and this was in like 2006 and my screen name was Cry's knife. So mm. I'm like, I don't know. 
I I uh, I like to say I'm OG, but I read Dune back in the day, and then I never read any of the sequels. And I'm like halfway through Dune Messiah right now, but I just I'm so goddamn busy, so it's it's hard to get through. Um, but yeah, it's it's really hard to in the early Dune movies. I'm sure it was hard to adapt it to film because there's just so much to get into, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. But the new movie, I I have some quibbles with it, and it's hard to, you know, say everything that happens in the movie. So uh, everything that happens in the book in the movie rather. So, but I'll leave it there. I'm sure we'll get into more stuff. Yeah. There's a whole ton to get into. You could probably do multiple episodes on this, but on just the one book, <laughs> but go ahead, Magnus. Yeah. So uh, I'm Magnus Panvidia, uh resident cringe anarchist uh, activist that runs around screens at people all the time. But uh Yeah. I I got into it probably around the same age. I think it was like 11 or something like that. And um, I, I've just always been a massive fucking nerd. Like literally like I'm, I'm painting a 40 K miniature right now while we talk. But uh, I, I remember just stumbling it on in on it at the library. Cause uh, I was burning through all of Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke's books. And I'd just finished Ender, the Ender's game series. Cause I was just like a, a fucking friendless dork in, in, in middle school and high school. So I just read sci-fi books. And I started reading Dune then, and I read the first book, and I didn't get it because I was young and stupid <laughs> at all. And I, I read the second book a little later, and I went back and read the first book. And then I think like just last year, I went back and and caught read the first book again, and finally kind of came to appreciate just uh, how I think next to Elric. I think Dune's probably the most ripped off piece of media that's ever been produced. <laughs> like, like if you're, especially if you're a giant, like modern sci-fi fan, you're like, Oh yeah, that's where like Halo stole that from. And 40 K stole that from. And Star it's, Wars the, stole that it's, the, <laughs> it's the sterner of, of sci-fi. <laughs> it is. It is. But, yeah. And, um, I, I, uh, it's just, just like Pat, Pat said, um, I think the, the movie that came out, I do have some issues with it, but I also think it's fucking spectacular i was blown away so oh, definitely cool cool well, all right well that kind of leads perfectly the next point i did want to i don't want to touch on the whole movie too much because that's kind of like the shallow most shallow aspect of this whole conversation but i uh, i mean i, I do want to touch on it kind of like quibbles uh i mean i'll point out the the only quibbles i really had <clears throat> i feel like in in the... all right here's one which is patty i didn't like that they swapped out i think it was dr kind i believe his name uh, I mean, but although it really didn't matter, like, I mean, I, I didn't like it, but it really like was, I also didn't fucking care. Like when the video they swapped, uh, it was a dude, they swapped out for a chick, but anyone who's read the book knows that the only purpose of that entire character was to kind of show them a little bit of kindness. Uh, kind of like, if anything, it was just a, that character was literally a storytelling device and that was it. Like it, there was no purpose for the character. It literally shows up and it's kind of like, Oh my God, this is a, the Quiznos heart attack uh oh fuck or whatever and then and then yeah it's actually dies dump character, essentially. <laughs> like, so i mean swapping it out like really wouldn't be a deal it just seemed kind of like why but whatever i get it they they probably felt like they needed to fill out the little bit of the minority type chick power shit i don't know like it's i mean it's pretty much a dude's rock type book so like i, I don't know I, I get it but it's it, whatever and then the other thing i noticed is these are the only concerns i had is like I read the book and then watched the movie. I feel like if I had watched the movie and then read the book, like there would have been so much that I would have missed. And but at the same time, that's not exactly. I feel like the book, the movie did the most it could with what it had to an extent because it's like 
there's so much going on in the book in that like stuff that's not said or shown. So, and like for you to be able to pick this shit up in real time in the movie is kind of a hard thing to do. Like, I know they literally in the book will have you working through like his, you know, visions, you know, Paul's visions, uh, the w- way these individual characters think, like, and like playing through whole Machiavellian schemes in their head. And like, but whereas in the movie, they, you can't, it would be weird in a movie to be like them saying this shit out loud. Like, that's just weird. But like, it's like, how do you show this happening? It's, it's really, and this is kind of the thing with the medium, a swap going between like a, a book to a movie, which I mean, it wasn't really a big a deal. I could see it maybe being a d- big deal later on because I know they're trying to go further. I don't know how far they're planning on going with this because I didn't even finish the first book in the movie. So I don't know how far they plan on going because I know the, the, the books go nuts. Uh, it'll it'll but, only get harder to adapt the further they get into it. Yeah. Like, like just, yeah. <laughs> just good luck making God Emperor of Dune into a movie. Yeah. I couldn't fucking tell you how to do that. <laughs> like, I, Yeah, it's just my point. <laughs> so much is getting lost in translation <laughs> that is like, not that important now, but that builds upon later. That if you didn't catch up earlier, catch on earlier, you might be like, "What the fuck is going on Wait, here?" You, 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 you don't want thirty minutes of of Leo Atreides walking through the desert, monologuing in his brain about politics, because that, <laughs> that would be the that would be the one to one conversion. I'm there, man. I will buy the tickets pre order. I so want God Emperor of Doom. That's my favorite of the series. It's so weird. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I love it so much. I will, I will say, having read the book and then watching the movie, though, I already was able to fill those things in my head. So if you're a fan, I could see how there's no problem because you see where they're going. You understand all the themes already to some extent. You're just seeing it get played out. Whereas if you're someone who's not watching, and I mean, I, like I said, I, I read the book, read the book, then uh, watched the movie, so I can't really speak of, on it. But I feel like your normal person may lose a lot. But I mean. I mean, whatever. I guess you're making it to more niche audience. I, I don't know. I, I guess. I mean, it fucking killed in the off box office. So I think yeah, most people care. But but yeah. I mean, but at the same time, like I, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe later these things will build, and like some people will be like, "What the fuck? Like, how did you get here from there?" But it's like, but if you understand some of the subtext of stuff going on, you could be like, "Oh, well, that's why." Because you know, well, the, the magic's the spice, and the fucking and this, and you know. Uh, but it, you know, if you're just some person who's not getting the, st- the monologues in their heads that they don't tell you like <laughs> you're not going to pick up on some of this shit. So, mm-hmm. but uh, what do you guys, just, you, any of you guys have any other critiques between the movie to the book or just- I feel like they could have like s- focused a little bit more on the betrayal from the Dr. Ewing. Yeah. That, that was one thing I felt was lacking. It was a little, but I mean, again, you'd need to make it like three movies instead of two to like really flesh that out. Um, but uh, I love the movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I I sat there with a stupid grin on my face the whole time. Yeah, that like it's it's just like you said the things that uh that build upon each other. There's an if I mean I might again I read it a year ago I might be missing miss, missing parts of it, but there's like an entire chapter where it's it's Leto knowing already that somebody in his inner circle has fucked him over and thinking that it's his fucking wife and like there's drama mm. around that and building and intrigue and whatever and then in the movie it's just like well something's going wrong and then I was betrayed and now I'm dead and it's like oh okay yeah. <laughs> like, which I can yeah. get why they didn't do that to movie but at the same time a lot was lost there's a lot of like beautiful like character building there and like I, I know you learn a lot about 
Like, for example, between Jessica and uh, Lido, you learn – your name's Jessica, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, or am I, yeah Lady okay. Jessica. Yeah, Lady Jessica. Like, you you learn so much more about their relationship, what they have going on. How, like, everyone doesn't trust her because she's a Bene Gesserit, or I always call them skinny Jesuits is what I've been calling them. Skinny Jesuits. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the Skinny Jesuits. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i said yeah but uh that's what i'm gonna call him from now on skinny jesuits and, and he's the the fucking quiznos heart attack <laughs> uh but yeah no no yeah like and no one trusts her because of that because i mean they kind of to be fair they're kind of a skeevy fucking uh group of women uh which i mean <laughs> i wouldn't trust them either but like there is this deep love between her and and leto and like he doesn't even like mistrust her for a moment whereas everyone else does and I don't know. There's a lot there that's missed. That, yeah, like, like I do think. Yeah, go ahead. It it it, it really you don't really get a sense for it in in the movie of just like how much they're not supposed to be together, but yet they're like stupidly in love with each other. And both mm -hmm. of them know that they're not supposed to be in love with each other, but they say fuck it anyways. In the movie, it's a, the, their relationship comes across as a little more cold, and yeah. and again, it's, again, probably just time constraints more yeah. than anything, but. Yeah, and and once again, to say that there also is stuff that's missed in the fact that it's not a book and this is something you're being shown and not told. Because in the book, even those scenes, some of the scenes they even showed you in the movie, there's there's dialogue that you're or they're not dialogue, but there's a there's like stuff that the, the they tell you that you don't that you don't see about like the relationship. And that actually is legit. Like some of that cold interaction you see is totally their actual like interaction in the book. Mm -hmm. But there is like this, oh, well, they'll say shit like, oh, well, we're, we're behaving this way because it's proper. But, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll focus on a certain touch and like what that meant. Yeah. And but you don't like notice this stuff when it's being shown. You know what I mean? So I, and that is kind of to some extent the fault of, I guess, movies, which I mean, but it is what it is. So but at the same time, there's stuff that, like I said, I think later could be can cause issues because you're losing some of what humanizes Jessica, what humanizes Paul. Like, and especially some of the crazy routes they're getting ready to go, it, it is kind of important to humanize them, especially since they're making Paul into this fucking, like, ridiculous autism monster. So, <laughs> Which again, like, like Gundam, jack the fuck out of that. Gundam stole that 100%. New type? Yeah. That's Dune. But, uh, and, and definitely, um, other people, I, I feel like I wanted to point this out because I thought about this because I've seen complaints about this, but I like it. But I'm biased of they seem to go a lot more grimdark in the movie in terms of like how it's shot and how it looks and kind of the general tone to where like Paul's home world is described as a paradise lush planet. And in the movie, it's like overcast and looks like Scotland. <laughs> like everyone's sad and shit. <laughs> it's like, but I'm a 40k nerd, so I'm like, yeah, I love it. Like everything should be depressing. The future sucks, you know. But yeah, I, I do see people complaining about that. I'm like, yeah, that's fair, but I like it. Yeah, you know? it's true. Uh, I mean, but at the same time, they only showed it for they were only on their home planet for a few minutes. But I guess they should have made a point to be like, look how beautiful <laughs> and lush it is. But yeah, because it contrasts uh, that like he leaves like essentially yeah. what's like you know florida or something like this beautiful nice fair weather california whatever and then goes to arrakis which is just a shithole you know so it's like all right patrick what do you what do you got for uh, critiques you got any other critiques did we already hit all the ones you got or no no well the other thing i didn't like is how they made lady jessica into like this weeping like weak-willed woman 
And like, she's supposed to be a Bene Gesserit. She's supposed to be someone who has so much control over her fucking body that she can decide what gender her child will be. Like, and, and in the movie, we just see her like struggle, holding back tears all the time and like repeating mantras to herself. And yeah, just so I, I mean, maybe they're trying to build that into something that's like a character development throughout the films where in the beginning, she's someone who's kind of weak willed. But at the yeah. end, she is the reverend mother, you know, where she's taken that she's had the fold spice dose or whatever. Um yeah, and so I, I didn't really like that. I thought it was weird that Hollywood decided they had the perfect opportunity to portray a real strong woman actually in her role as opposed yeah. to like Rey in Star Wars. And now they, they just don't take that opportunity and I didn't really understand it. Like, it'd be hard. I suppose it'd be hard to have someone who's just stoic all the time, but there's ways they could have shown her emotion yeah. without having her weep all the time. I just don't Yeah. Like which is that that was in the book. Uh, I know the, the the moments where she did get emotional made it that much more powerful because she was yeah. so fucking strong. And it was uh like she was legit like a boss bitch and it, like you you almost like at some points borderline the book you're a little bit doubtful of her like maybe she really is the bad guy because she's so controlled of her emotions and so just this other thing. But yeah, it does make it like the contrast. But at the same time, once again, this kind of goes into like what how things translate from one medium to another because I this a lot of the stuff where they showed her being upset in the movie were legit things from the book, but they didn't show you all those other times where she was stoic as fuck and literally was controlling situations because like that's kind of her whole thing. The Bene Jesuit are literally they have perfected humanity or they're they're a sect of women that try to have perfected the human skill of politics. And so like, she is legit, like Machiavellian next level shit. Yeah, like they, 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 they seed <laughs> religions into planets and shit. Yeah. Like these, these are some devious bitches. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Where I think all of it almost comes down to the fact that they very, the, they Hollywoodized it a bit to where like, okay, this is going to be the story of Paul where the book is like, it covers Leto, it covers Jessica, it covers like more characters and go, much more Game of Thrones about it, where it goes actually into like who they are, what they're thinking and everything, where the movie is very much like, here's Paul, watch his crazy adventures, you know, so. The, the one yeah. thing I did like about the film is uh, that scene before they leave Caladan where uh, Paul is talking to Leto and Leto, they have this like awesome father-son moment okay. and I think that really humanized Leto in a way that um, it's been a while again since I've read the book, but it really humanized him in a way that really made me like him. But you see a different side of him, you know, there. Yeah. Yeah, they left out a lot of good moments in the... the it's just there were so many character moments that did leave out of the book because I am now thinking, too, there were multiple other moments that, like, between father and son. Like, I know, like, they, they I'm pretty sure they didn't even include it in the movie that whole scene where, like, Lita was basically breaking down to paul that like hey yeah i know we're stepping into a trap but i know it's a trap so i'm making it my trap and like this whole craziness where like but i don't believe i find maybe i'm wrong but i don't remember how many of the movie uh i mean maybe even if you guys can correct me if i'm wrong i don't remember that scene I, it was a scene that i thought was super cool that they left out because it is kind of like they leave out a lot of these things that kind of set the tone and also kind of like once again not to overuse the word machiavellian but it kind of like shows how machiavellian these characters are uh you know even the good characters like you know like leto 
Um, but yeah, and now I, I can I figure let's touch on. I want to get everyone's thought on what the major theme or themes of the books. And there's so many themes, but uh, just specifically this book because I know over the entire series it kind of gets a different theme. Like if like from my limited knowledge of what this entire book series is, I legit like the entire book series for me is kind of a love letter to hallucinogens. As ridiculous <laughs> as that sounds, it, it it's true. Correct <laughs> completely. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> yeah, but the, the book, like this specific book to me was kind of a, the theme was like the strength of humanity and then kind of like, I do also think it was kind of playing on like like the idea of like technological revolution, kind of like Uncle Ted, because it does touch on how earlier in uh, they, they, they kind of got rid of AIs, which is very Uncle Ted. And like the AIs took over and then they're like, fuck, and then they got rid of them. But, and to me, it's kind of almost a cycle we're like, okay, well, we got rid of that. But it's like, okay, but now it's playing over again. You just went down a different route. Like, yeah, it's te- maybe not as te- technically technological because you're focusing on humanity, but you're just kind of creating, making hum- humanity the next the next thing. And that'll come over again because, I mean, they're kind of focusing on creating the perfect humans uh, to some extent. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah. a very, very, very like, fuck yeah, humanity kind of thing because, you know, he, uh, to get a little meta with it, like like Herbert's talked about, like why isn't there any aliens in it? And it's like, well, this is a story about humanity, like yeah. you know, like and and uh, I actually pulled a quote from from the book book here that you you said Uncle Ted vibes, and it's so perfect of a it's talking about the 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 jihad, and it's like the target of the jihad was a machine attitude as much as the machines, and it's like that's so good, <laughs> I love that is some pure Uncle Ted shit right there. <laughs> Yeah, there's there so lot- many good lines in yeah. throughout this book. There's no way that movie could have fit them all. You oh, remember yeah. like the scene where it's uh how it the mentat and it's like the him with the fremen and the fremen's like explaining how he's got to he's gonna have to kill the dude for his water and talks about mercy. There's a really good quote that you hear all the time about like I'll butcher it, but it's like kind of when when I'm asking for your mercy. Um, I'm showing you my, or you're showing your principles by giving me mercy. And then like my principles are to take, take from you. Or it's, it's like I said, I'll butcher it. <laughs> like Lamb, of God. Lamb of God has that song, right? Omerda. <laughs> God, there's, there's a, there, there's an actual real world quote, not in that. I'm trying to remember it now. It's like uh something about according to my virtues and then according to your, I forget. It's, that, that's someone it. out there. I think, but yeah. I it, think that's, that's the quote from the book right there. Yeah, but I feel like you, I've, I've heard it elsewhere. But yeah, yeah no, no, it's wild. Um, but Will, you, let's. What What do you think? Like, what is your major theme of this of this book? This specific, the first one. Well, well, like you, huh? No, like you said, like there's so many themes to like meditate on that. Um, I mean, you could go with anything, but like talking about like the the peak of humanity. And like what we could become, it's like every character is almost like highly evolved to the point where it's hard to identify with them, and it only gets more so throughout the the rest of the series. Like really, like terribly so almost. But um, uh, this is probably gonna like steal from um like Quinn's ideas and everything because it's that dude uh really puts out a lot of like good good content on like what really frank herbert was getting to but but really the whole uh 
turning the hero trope on its head. Like, like Paul, like he's not necessarily, he is the hero of the book, but like, if you really like go past it, it's like, um, so much about like heroes get you into terrible situations like a you know a giant jihad across the galaxy really like kind of shows you about like kind of how we are like our hero worship in humanity and it gets us in our cultures into these kind of situations where we'll follow these people into or like our cultures will follow people into terrible situations and uh yeah i think i think it really just um that's one of the biggest things I've kind of thought about, like after reading it and stuff. Yeah. Pat, what you got? Well, I kind of, um, I'm an English major, so certain things come to mind, but I, I was thinking of, of like the power of fate and our hubris and trying to rebel against fate. So some of the things that came to mind was like Macbeth specifically and Oedipus, um, two totally different stories, but I don't know how familiar you guys are with them, but you know, Macbeth has the vision um, and there's like the, the prediction from the three witches at the beginning. And he has this Machiavellian plot to take over uh, a part of Scotland and he has the vision and he's like, Oh, well that will never come true. And I'll do all these things to prevent it. But towards the end of the play, every, all the vision comes true and the prediction comes true and he dies because of it and everything like unravels. And I think that Paul has that same thing is that he, he and I'm kind of looking forward too, but he has this idea that he can control fate, that he sees fate, um, but that he can control it, that he'll walk the path, but somehow he will do something to stop this global jihad or in a way he'll be able to minimize it or something like that. And I think it's really his hubris in the end. And Oedipus is kind of the same thing where, um, you know, there's this, I think it's a Greek warrior and there's this prediction from an oracle that he'll end up like killing or having sex with his mom. And um, he... Wait, no spoilers for the later books, all right? (laughs) (laughs) But in Oedipus that happens, you know, so so basically, you know, there's the vision from the oracle and he ends up, you know, screwing and killing his mom and then he rips his own eyes out. So it's pretty awesome and brutal. But as for the end of, of... Wait, spoilers for the end of the Dune book? Can I drop that? Oh, oh no, I don't care. That's fine. I was just joking because okay. you said Oedipus. I was like, he fucks his mom? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> whoa, bro. Whole bro. Fucking okay, thousand-year-old really. spoilers, bro. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, um, I did, I did. <laughs> You can spoil whatever. It's fine. Oh, well, I just mean so the end of the Dune book. And I guess the end of the movie, too, just reminded me of Hamlet, you know, because at the end, there's this big knife duel fight thing. So. I, I'm sure that Frank Herbert had those things in mind, mm-hmm. at least maybe subconsciously when he was writing it. Oh, real quick, I want to point out for the listeners uh, that, like, if I mean, I guess maybe some of the people you know listening probably do know, but you, this is one thing you miss that I don't think he gave you in the movie, but that you get in the book. The reason why they're knife fighting is because the way their shields are is because you have to like slowly cut through because the, the shields. Because I mean, it makes sense if you think about how a shield that covers your entire body would work. If you want to use it in a normal everyday situation, like you can't have it shielding everything. So like it would make sense if you're moving slow, but like something like a bullet, that's like a quick projectile, like anything moving at a certain speed, it'll stop. 
Like that's how it reacts. It reacts to things that moving quickly. So that's why knife fights are required. And it's also part of why they even describe in the uh, fight at the end with the one Fremen, like, like one of the reasons why like it's kind of like almost like he's toying with him. For one, it's like he didn't want to kill him. And two, he only knew how to fight with shields. So he kind of was, it was throwing him off because he would like slow down before he would like go at the end. And like, that's that, why he never really got the kill shot. So that, yeah, that's, that's the, the, the media transfer kind of thing that's lost yeah. that break that made me the most sad watching that is because that scene in the book, you have the inner monologue of both of them of Paul being like, what the fuck is going on? I've only fought against like, you know, people, you know, people with shields that fight like I do, but also his opponent being like, why is Paul acting super fucking weird you know <laughs> like you know because 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 it's two polar opposite fighting styles that are that have never inter you know will have you know probably clash against each other but not in this way and, and both opponents are confused it's just little details like that that are one so thing, big one thing in that scene too the, that was in the book that the movie really lost was paul cries when he kills mm -hmm. jonas and that's mm -hmm. like to the fremen that's like this dude really cares like oh my god he's wasting his water over over this yeah. i don't know it's a really cool point but yeah you know, they make a big point it. of the water which is yeah. kind of a cool which sounds dumb but then like when you read it in the book and then especially once again they go into like more like inner monologues and stuff they, it, it is weird how they make such a thing out of water like but it's like i don't know it's interesting how they go about it um but desert, yeah desert planet life <laughs> yeah but uh, uh, I don't know if you already answered this. I don't know if you, what are your thoughts are, Magnus, on like major themes of the book? And then we'll start going to like smaller themes because there's so much to touch on. So Yeah, definitely just like the 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 dangers of the great man. That That's very much the like... Ubermensch. Yeah, the, definitely just go, you know, breaking down the hero trope and, and the fact that even what I love about it is even if the hero is aware that the hero trope is bad, it's still going to play out that way. Like, like people will murder for great men, even if great men don't want them to. And there's, there's a lot of that in the books. And also just like you said, the, the sheer supremacy of humanity and, and the fear of technology over overcoming that there's definitely elements of that, that I like a lot in there, but also just, it's, it's funny too, that, that the woke crowd kind of went against, against this movie because it really nails all of the stuff the woke crowd really cares about, but does it in a not preachy propagandist annoying way. And, and that's, I like, I do love these stories. Like I, I would love a, a story about like a, a matriarchal society or something like that. But if it was made nowadays, it'd be annoying and, and preachy and, and fucking political. But thankfully Herbert was before all of this, you know? So, yeah. but yeah, I, I definitely just like the, you know, the, the idea of a, a lot of times we kind of associate transhumanism with with computers and and the meta and downloading yourself and everything where, where Herbert the, you know dune is very much the opposite of like we will transcend humanity without technology mm -hmm. you know when it talks about like the 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 harkonnens and, and you know like the fremen are practically different species but they're human so like I just I just like those little details and, and they go into it in the book of describing like, you know, they never e even when one race will have pointed ears and fish eyes and shit like that, they're still human. And the book kind of focuses and nails on that. And I, I like those little details. Yeah, no, that's cool. Uh, Drywall O says beer and turkey make me sleepy. Silly thing to say, but you gave me 20 bucks. So whatever. I'm, I'm a capitalist through and through. I do think he touched on something interesting there, though. Um, 
Magnus. I do think it's funny how this how this uh, thing pl- this book plays to both the left and the right because it's like uh, in a lot of senses this is like an e- this is like a environmentalist book in some ways, but in other ways it's like I mean this is so strong in like NRX and like Hoppian circles like there's so much that it plays on and it's it's wild that it like. And it's kind of like Herbert, apparently, from the little bit I know, I guess he did claim there was more of like an environmentalist book, but it's like, it's almost like he touched on so many other things in the process of making it. And I mean, maybe that's just like a thing of like art where sometimes they like touch on something and then realize like, it's not even that they do it on purpose. It's like they're touching on a whole other giant well of like concepts and ideas that they didn't even mean to. So it's kind of hard to tell what was intentional and what wasn't, but it is really cool how many things... Like, for example, one little theme that I do like is the uh, – I see, like, the Hoppians, like, the concept of, like, the elites. And you see that with, like, the like the, the proper elites because, like, that's one concept within Hoppianism is that, like – or that you have – we have natural elites. And the, 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 the government kind of um, what's perverts the, the, the natural elitism. Like, in you know, whether it be, you know, someone in your community who's just naturally – standing person a good businessman whatever and people kind of naturally follow him or whatever whereas the government fucks it up and it kind of creates shitty elites you know i mean that's insanely easy to see nowadays you know with the elites that we have but in a in a an anarchy in a free society we would have we would still have elites but they would be impressive elites because they would only be able to get to those positions through meritocracy essentially um but and you do see that like kind of with like the uh, Atreides are kind of the perfect fucking um, archetype of like the natural elite, but they're kind of in the system that obviously is not made for the natural elite. And it kind of is kind of organic that they end up getting fucked because they are this natural elite and they threaten the emperor because of it, because of their goodness, because of what they are. Like the emperor and the Harkonnens are like, fuck these guys. <laughs> like we got to get rid of them because they're a threat. And uh, I do think there's something to that. I don't know if anyone else has something to throw in there. Uh, a Hoppian would have a lot to say on this, but you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Leto is definitely like the archetypical perfect king, really. Like, yeah. Like he, you know, he wants to help his people. He, even though he's essentially like an imperialist scumbag coming to steal the indigenous people's resources. He feels probably like it comes across in a lot of places. He genuinely feels bad about it. And he like wants to like help these people as much as possible and work with them as much as possible. But he's also smart. And there's a little bit of um, what would be the word? Uh, maybe not deviousness, but, but, but extreme brutal practicality of like, well, I need these people and I need to weaponize these people. So like, so you you get all those elements into it. We're going to say Machiavellian a lot, but yeah, you get like the hoppy and Machiavellian sort of thing with him. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely elements of that, but it also, it is very much like a, a very um, Murray Bookchin style, like non-humanity hating environmentalism of, of, you know, this, this, that's why I said it's like the home run for like the lefties, which is why I don't know why they hate it so much on Twitter of you know bad foreign imperialists come and do bad things and this is why it's bad and no even if you try to do it in a way that's noble it's still not going to work out for you and and you know paul being like the the next example of that of you know he's apparently this messiah that's going to make everything better and it ends up actually doing a lot of bad shit (laughs) so he doesn't even really help the people again so 
Yeah, I don't know if anyone else has anything else to add on that 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 note. If not, I have many more other minor themes we can touch on. So, no, nothing. All right. Uh, I wonder what you guys think too. I thought it was really interesting the concept of the Fremen, because uh, it really is like an prim slash almost like kind of the like agorist concept. This is something I've been saying for a while. A lot of us anarchist types, like we want anarchy, but it's like I do think there is some to some extent we need to realize that it will be you'll have to be more self-sufficient. So, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that we need to be full-on and prim. I'm not saying we need to be uh, the Fremen, but it does say something that, like, these type cultures end up being sort of more anarchist or more free or whatever you want to call it because, like, I mean, I guess you could, maybe you could make a case it's not necessarily an anarchy, but it kind of is. Um, but, yeah, I don't have anything else if anyone wants to touch on that at all. I've you go ahead, Will. No, no, big deal. You go ahead, man. Well, um, so I, I've had this theory for a while that it's kind of like the um, weak men create bad times. You know, bad times create strong men. Strong men create good times. I, I've just had this theory kind of working around just that the reason why the United States, why the colonies had such uh, like a, a liberty culture, because I think they did. Like if you read Conceived in Liberty and um, what is that book that? See, Prof. CJ talks about um, American insurgents, um, American rebels, or something like that. Just talking about how I think that the the frontier of the United States, the conditions there were perfect for creating a liberty-loving society, and I think it's that rough and tumble mentality, and that's in kind of a way why I think we're fucked. <laughs> but um, but anyways, the Fremen are kind of like that. I mean, they're kind of tribal and a little bit collectivistic. Um, but, but that was just kind of my thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, you did touch on something there too, a little bit that, uh, the collectivist aspect of it, where I know, uh, us libertarian types, I mean, uh, Magnus might not be so much cause he's a little bit more, more on the up and up here because yeah. I, we, and I think this is honestly, this, this is why I'm not a fan of Ayn Rand. I'm, I like, like her, but I also don't because it kind of made us libertarians retards because we're like. We go, individualists, collectivists. Oh, here's a group trying to do things. They're collectivists. And it's like, okay, but you can be, as long as there's consent, that's all that matters. Like, if you want to operate within a group, like, who fucking cares? Like, as long as you're not, like, trying to coerce the individual within that group, it's kind of the, for, you know, me and Magnus, both egoists, the union of egoists. Like, yes. th that's all that it is. So, like, and that's some, I do think that's something we need to break our brains of, of libertarians. I mean, I don't, not, not necessarily anybody here. I think everyone here understands, but this is kind of like a, I know like when you start getting into libertarian 101, like you're a baby libertarian, you're, you, a lot of them still have this mindset because they get into Ayn Rand that they're just like, well, fuck groups. And you're like, God damn it, dude. Like, what is wrong with you? It's ridiculous too. Cause it's like, like, you know, you a lot of situations are going to demand like especially especially if you're talking about in any kind of primitive society or in a very harsh and dangerous society you can't do it alone now that doesn't mean you have to force collectivize or whatever or, or go fucking full anarcho-communist about it or whatever but you're, you're absolutely right of there there's this kind of sort of you know twisting of it of of thinking that every single person can be that one guy that goes and lives 300 miles out in the middle of nowhere in alaska by himself like he is an anomaly you cannot have a society like that and, and or you know society is a dirty word because society is a spook but you know you can't you like 
humans are not going to operate like that. So, so it makes sense that, you know, they are the, the Fremen very much are kind of this, like in a moment of desperation, people coming together, but there is also like mild libertarian stuff because you get a lot of sense that at any point you can fuck off and just go, you know, and do whatever you want, but good luck. You know, <laughs> their, their collectivism is like out of necessity and yeah. stuff. And, and, and they really like, they come, they come together and stuff to like battle nature and then like their colonizers and such. And then like you, not to keep like bringing it, out of the first Dune book, but you, you see like the Fremen people, like as they become more comfortable and, and they become the colonizers, they lose their sense of community and start to splinter off. And, and there's definitely like really cool politics that go into like what was formerly like a one tribe unit. It definitely becomes more like an organized religion and, and a government of sorts. And just, you know, the um they they lose their purity and stuff. yeah no i i do kind of sort of know where the later books go and i do think you did touch on an interesting point there um that and this is i think people need to start looking more on how incentives work because people always think like say you know with any government anything uh i'm trying not to go like because I, I mean most people know i'm not a big fan of like political involvement in general but like this is because my thing is like you can take something like even like the LP or whatever and like people will be like, well, this, you know, people individually can do good things. And I'm like, I don't disagree. But the problem is whenever you you have to look at incentives and how things work and how is this likely going to work? And even then on an individual level, people don't even realize it, but they kind of sort of over time act their incentives and find ways to rationalize it. But especially within a group, because you can have an intelligent human being that is able to recognize like you know be rational and not just go by incentives but if you're looking at groups they almost certainly go by incentives so you have to think how that works and that's kind of the point with the weak men or strong men type thing and that's i mean that's kind of like why the whole big issue with government is because when when a society gets too prosperous they become you know lazy and they let these bad actors take control and they don't really fight back and it's kind of this Essentially, with it's, I guess in a sense, almost anarchy is fighting human nature to some extent because you know it's essentially it's almost like to be able to have a functional anarchism, you need a you need communities that are to some extent self-sufficient or individuals are sort of self-sufficient and willing to get their hands dirty, but people don't like that, and it's almost I don't know. Uh, Valterine de Claire talked a lot in a lot of her shit, uh, and it's kind of like you need to bring back the original American spirit to make that happen, which. It is kind of like you're 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 fighting against shit, but I, I guess I'm kind of droning on there. I don't know if you have if you guys have anything to riff off that, but uh, yeah. Uh, if not, uh, I do think the, the the one thing that I really found interesting about this um, this the way Dune is is how they handle. I put it might not put religion, science, myth, magic because they're kind of all one thing. The way that they do it in Dune, like like for example with the Bene Gesserit, they're fucking like. Like, yes, there is like an element of magic, but it's also like trickery. And it's also like there's it's almost like a science. For example, like, I don't know, some of the shit that Paul does is if anything, they almost insinuate it's like something that humans touch into. Like at the very beginning of the book, it's like that whole test. Like, are you a human or are you an animal? And that's kind of what they're touching into that almost that like humans. I mean, you could almost like make a case that this would be like make sense as like some sort of prelude to like Star Wars, like Dune. 
because it's almost like they're they're touching into like the force, and that's kind of almost what you know what this thing is that that Paul and the Bene Gesserit and some other entities touch into a little bit. This like other thing that humans like being extra human touch into, and uh, what was I trying to forget what I was gonna? But yeah, that's but it's almost like this like science thing, and that's what I'm saying. It's almost like a love letter to hallucinogens. It's the same idea. It's the like with hallucinogens, it was fucked with hallucinogens. No, it puts you in a weird spot. But a lot of people who get into like meditation and such can achieve similar, uh, similar type experiences. And so it's like, is this religious? Is it not? Is it science? What is this? And Dune kind of plays on that theme a lot. And I find it really interesting, and especially with like religion. It's almost like you kind of are having your cake and eat it too. Because you can be an atheist and read this and be like, dope. And you can be like a religious person and be like, dope. <laughs> like, it, I don't know. The way it handles it is really interesting. Um, I don't have anything else to say. No, anyone's, go ahead. No, like they absolutely like just uh, talking about how they <laughs> – he kind of really gets into hallucinogens. And 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 I don't know. I, I, I enjoy it. It talks about just how – I don't know how far they go into the mind and then like, even just like thinking about shit, the the way Frank Herbert just kind of like will meditate on like lineages and, and just he'll go so crazy into something. And it really reminds you of like psychedelic thinking. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Even the movie, like just kind of like the spice hits when Paul would do it. It was really a, yeah, I've, I've never seen a better visual representation of a bad trip than that. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm. <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> but yeah, that, definitely like it, it's it's fun because when uh when you look at the, the, the Bene Gesserit, they view it as pure science almost. They're like, yeah, this is just something, you know, this is humanity. We've, we've done this, whatever. But the little people are like, this is crazy space magic. And it's, it, it's fun, that contrast. Yeah, it's like touchable magic. Like you could like, you could see humanity getting to that point almost not uh, the, the, to, 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 to tell on my, my annoying pagan self a little bit. It, it, it's a term called the small science. Gotcha. gotcha. Al alchemy and shit. Like, like that's, that's very much the vibes I get from it, which would make sense from Herbert. Cause he was very much a kind of hippy dippy guy. <laughs> not, not to get all meta or anything, but it's like, just to stop and like fucking appreciate the fact that all of this came from someone's mind like this entire world and, and somebody like devoted their entire life to creating this incredible pantheon of just like experience and into like in a way like this mental masturbation of of he's talking about like having trips within your own mind in a fictional world that he's created it's just like <laughs> whoa bro <laughs> it's cool though i mean it, i love it nerd out but it's so cool yeah i just do i do remember some of the like even the times in like paul is like basically tripping off spice or or touching it even when he's not on spice he's kind of he's almost touching into that other aspect because he's been trained he's kind of like this weird mix of like He's been his whole life trained for this. So you can kind of, once again, equate this to like hallucinogens. Like he's essentially been meditating his whole life, not fucking with hallucinogens, if you want to put it in like in a real world example. And then he gets this world full of fucking hallucinogens. And so he's kind of like touching into this world and like, oh God, I had a fucking point. I totally lost it. But <laughs> uh, God damn it. Um, 
fuck, what was my point? Oh, no, I was going to, it's like the way they write this is like it legit reminds me of like the way you think during a trip or like even then to some extent, like almost the, the, some of the times where I'm being like more, I don't know, like say when I'm reading liberty, like anarchist theory, some of like when I'm in that like next level, like thinking where I'm thinking very deeply and it's, I mean, it's not to play off the autism thing, but it's almost like fucking, uh, it's, you know, the whole idea of they say we're on a spectrum. It's like he, they're, he's touching on that far, far, far end of that spectrum. Like he's like breaking the fucking uh, speedometer, like pushing the fucking dial. And that's yeah, kind of because he, he's trained to be a mentat as well. So it's like imagine being a human supercomputer and then taking LSD like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where's that going to take you? Yeah. But it's just, I don't know, it's weird because it is like almost like, that's why, it's almost like a thing that almost is real. Because that's why I'm saying you can create parallels between like hallucinogens and like meditation and stuff like that. But then the way they do it here is like, you can almost kind of buy into it. Obviously, like it's a little bit ridiculous because it's like they're able to have the voice and like control people and like it gets fucking wild. But you can kind of almost like twist your brain to kind of buy into it a little bit. You're like, I don't know, like kind of legit. You really (laughs) like people get riled up by speeches and stuff and uh <laughs> yeah what the fuck is up, your name it always throws me off so so, so riled up by... off the screen so riled you know up likes that... hillary clinton <laughs> so yeah, riled huh? up that you kill yourself that's that's, that's a good speech <laughs> right there well all right you guys have any other theme themes or major things you want to touch on in it i mean there's there's a lot we can go on uh, i don't know if you if any of you guys have uh, if not, I think or we'll hit on anybody got anything because I've run out of shit. Uh, really kinda, hope, I hope y'all all go further in the series because each yeah. book that I read, like or listened to, I listened to them all on the tractor and just crushed it mm-hmm. over the course of like six months. Really become obsessed with it. Each book made like made me appreciate the last one even better. Like it, they just build on each other. At least all the original Herbert books and. uh I mean, they, it ends almost, I think he had plans for more. And then his son has like cranked out like, you know, like 20 of them or something yeah. like different. Yeah. Like he has a trilogy on the jihad and all kind of stuff. But the, the six Herbert books that I've consumed are, are like, they're as deep as Dune goes. They get crazy and they get into like, for sure, like just more psychedelic thought that, that we could all sit here and ponder on like like for hours yeah i intend to knock the the because i think it's like the main five i mean i'm not gonna go insane and go like you know read all the uh fucking extended universe shit but uh, i do yeah you got the short little messiah book yeah that um it's like half the size of dune um it's definitely i would say messiah is a quick read um it almost is like a flip dune on its head Mm. uh, for sure and then, like, Children of Dune would be another almost epic as far yeah. as the size of Dune is. And um, God Emperor is, like, the epilogue of what yeah. all that is. And then yeah. the other two, uh, Frank Herbert gets horny and she gets crazy. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. yeah, it's good stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I intend on reading at least up to God Emperor, and I want to do this again. I just want to touch this while it was still hot in the movie. Uh, but I do want to eventually read uh, at least up to God Emperor because I believe God Emperor is the fourth. 
but I know from what I've understood, then there's another one after that. Those are like the main ones. But a lot of people are kind of like, hey, you don't really need to read the fifth. I, I may or may not. I don't know. It'll depend. See how I feel once I read a God Emperor. God uh, Emperor is a good, a good stopping yeah. point. But the other two, the other two after God Emperor complement each other. You don't need them. But yeah. like, they're like almost an epilogue to God Emperor for yeah. sure. Well, yeah. Uh, but anyone else, you look like you're about to say something, Magnus. Oh, no. I was, I was just uh, about to shit post and be like, Read, read all of them and and then read all of Ender's game of that entire series and then just go into an Arthur C. Clarke fucking wormhole and, and read all of Arthur C. Clarke's shit, which will take your entire life and then die. <laughs> so, like, that's what I recommend. Yeah, yeah, Ender's game is another one. Ender is one of my favorite of all time. I'm really sad that the movie fucking sucked. Massive Cop, Did it? But- I like the movie, but I... I- I mean, I also never read any of the uh, yeah. other shit. So I, yeah. hate, I as a book person, I'm just like, mm. yeah. No, I get that. But I did, I did get what they were getting at in the movie, and I was like, I like this. This is like my type of shit. Like you know, peak autism. Because like me and you being egoists, we know like it's like it is like essentially a utilitarian worldview, and that's a lot of what Ender's Game is. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very much. And I, don't, I don't know. I just have this this sci-fi kink of of the idea of, of time dilation not going away because all, all sci-fi is like you go into hyperspace and then you come back and, and times continue normally to where like Ender's game is like, Oh, I went to the other place and I came back and now my sister's 70 years old. This is fucking horrifying. <laughs> you know, it's so like, I, I love playing with those concepts and shit. So, yeah. Hey, have you guys read the wheel of time? I don't know if you, I mean, someone asked, so you gave me money. Mm-hmm. It's only fair. No, nothing. No. no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, all right. I think uh, unless you guys have anything else, I think we're at a good spot. Uh, I'm surprised we covered this so quickly. I thought this was gonna be like a two-hour episode, but um, oh, was that uh, wheel of time? Wheel of time. Did they make an Amazon <laughs> thing of that or some shit, Magnus? Or what? Can you? Oh, you didn't hear me. Didn't they there just make like an? Did they just make an Amazon, Amazon show? Yeah, they made an Amazon one. I'm so afraid to watch it. I'm yeah, it so looks like trash. I have no idea movie. what the book is about. <sighs> I just looked at that. And I was like, "Oh, that looks like some sort of cheap that's imitation a, a, bullshit." But... It feels like they went like like they did. They did the opposite of Dune, to where Dune is like, "Hey, here's this kind of like fits perfectly into the modern conception of woke story, but we're just gonna tell it and not interject anymore and just leave it alone." And Dune's fine, to where it seems like Wheel of Time is like, "Hey, this is already like pretty feminist. Let's just grab the fucking." feminist knobs crank it and i'm like i don't know if i want it i don't know if i want my another one of my childhood to die it's the yeah. same thing with the amazon lord of the rings show that's coming out soon Oof. Don't want yeah they were it. weren't they talking about how they were gonna like increase diversity where i'm like why <laughs> like i don't need a black dwarf i don't care <laughs> it's, it's just it's like again it's it's not even that doing that is bad. It's just it's a it's a giant red flag always. Yes. Like oh, there's gonna be other ignorant shit in this. Yeah. Like it's the same thing with like uh, we're getting a little sidetracked, but I've seen I'm on a roll. I'm cool with it. It's it's the same thing with Cowboy Bebop, where it's like okay, you made Jet Black. I don't care. But then like you start like going into like why did you make Jet Black? And it's like so you can make like a bunch of like horny interracial porn jokes and it's like that's <laughs> why like i don't understand the thought process like, they yeah, they really make it hard to be like a liberal these days like yeah, not a, allowed. You know, a liberal you know in the classical sense or whatever to be very dave rubin about it but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that is true it is a red flag that's why when i saw dr kine in dune i immediately was like my eyebrows kind of went up like 
But they saved it. They saved it. They didn't yeah. fuck around. Her, yeah, that, no, that, they last didn't fuck around. Scene, that last scene where you think she was gonna like get on the worm. No, if like it would have been blasphemous for her too. Yeah, but it was exciting. Yeah, yeah no, it was cool because they, they. It was cool how they did her death because they in the in the book it was off like it was. They don't even tell you how it happened. It was just kind of like oh she died. And that's kind of why I didn't really care because that's like how they did in the movie. They were kind of like, they showed you her death in the movie. So, and it was cool that they were able to stylize it because nothing that happened there was any way against the book. It's just, they didn't show you. So they were just filling in their blank and it kind of worked. It was kind of cool. And it was their sort of way to allude towards, because like, say like she lent, put down that thumper thing or whatever. And they never explained that, but like, and I know it's going to be a thing later. So they're kind of setting down the uh, seeds to be able to kind of like make it so people understand it later. Because those yeah. are the things they tell you in exposition in the book, but like you, you don't get it spelled out for you in the movie. Yeah. I so almost it feel makes like they kind of screwed up that reveal because like, like the, 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 the Atreides and everything like have no idea these, these crazy fucking people are out in the desert, like riding the sandworms. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and so like, the, they're like oh thumpers it attracts them so your first thought goes like oh well so they can like put diversions or whatever and then like her scene is perfect because it's kind of building up to it of like oh why she's attracting the sandworms why why does she have these things in her hands and then they cut it and it's like okay that's perfect that's all you should have shown because that would be enough to be like oh there's something going on but then yeah, you have the last like a guy riding it yeah riding the last scene the last scene is paul uh, yeah. just walks over a hill and there's just somebody in the disc is riding hey by the way like, we do this <laughs> <laughs> It's, that's such a cool reveal in the book and it's like god damn it yeah dude the end of the book where they take over the fucking capital or whatever the fuck it was like wow giant like, worms this <laughs> movie is gonna be so metal they got oh, dude they got yeah. like paul riding the thing even though like they ruined it kind of but it's still gonna be metal and then like that whole it's a paragraph in the book but it can be a fucking hour all right movie. i i, like, I guess worms coming into the city blowing up the shield wall all that shit I guess that would be the like. You see me. We're probably getting closer to the end of this. Um, oh, we're good. Keep going. We see me, I'm, I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a big f- fucking art nerd. Uh, how did y'all feel about how the sandworms looked in that? Because there's there's been more Dune art of the sandworms than probably like any like single fictional creature ever, and they are always depicted very 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 differently. And uh, yeah, yeah. As far as I loved about it about like just almost mimicking the eye in both ends and uh <laughs> um but it, they're almost i almost kind of like the lynch worms a little bit better yeah i don't I know I, flat and lame in my opinion. i don't know the lynch worms but at the same time like i do i mean i only so i don't have like you know years and years of like expectation of what these should look like or have a i only read the book and then fucking like and then watch that and that's my extent but even then i still was like i don't feel like that's what they were supposed to look like that wasn't what i envisioned at the same time i didn't it didn't bother me i was fine with it it was good it was good enough uh i don't know if you guys feel the same um no it was cool like cool like swallowing the uh spice miner and stuff there was really cool shots one thing somebody pointed out though that uh that i thought was super cool is um sand when you put a certain level of frequency through it it turns essentially into water there's actually like a scientific term for it but like there's there's videos of people like hooking up like a wave generator to a, a sandbox and then turning it on and people like you'll literally like you're in a pool will just go into the sand 
And they nailed that visually perfectly yeah. in the movie with the worm moving through and you see the water was not Freudian slip. You see the sand just essentially turn liquid on around this thing. And that's super cool. But uh, in terms of how they looked like, yeah, I was like, okay, it's a giant butthole. Like, it's kind of whatever. Like, no. like I've seen crazy art of like, oh, the reason why they hate the shield so much is because they're like, they have like currents and whatever. And, and, and there's crazy art with like electricity coming off of them and, and all these wild designs that people have drawn over the last, you know, decades. And this one, it's like, well, it's a worm with a butthole for a face. And it's like, damn it. <laughs> you know, I think they could have went cooler with it. But it's it's the minorest of complaints. It's not like a nerd crying over it. I was like, there, I'm with you a little bit on that. There yeah. was there was this uh, video game that if you ever played like Tiberian Sun or Command. And oh, Con you're talking about the original Dune RTSs? Yeah. Boy, dude, we're on I, the same level here. <laughs> yeah, man. So I, I didn't play the first one, but I, I have the second one and I still have all my CDs of it. And I don't know where you can find it anywhere, but that was where I really got into it. And that, like, the cutscenes in that were incredible. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's the like the original Dune RTSs are legendary. Which that's the only besides them, um, they they had a uh, another RTS come out recently that was like Dune Battle for Arrakis or whatever, and mm -hmm. that was like meh. Was but but otherwise, it, it's it's like I said, like that. Elric and and you know Conan, there's so many good games and stuff in like media you can make out of these of all these like old pulps and old sci-fi things, and we don't. But honestly, it might be a good thing because it's such a risk nowadays for everything getting fucking ruined. Like I was genuinely worried about the Dune movie sucking, and I'm glad it was spared of the modern everything's lame now. But I had genuine anxiety. <laughs> See? I, was so, I was so worried about it. I, I I started reading it because of it, and I, I knew the dude made great movies, and I was I was just praying. That I'm still worried us. about the future ones though, because that's no, what I was getting at great. a little bit. They're gonna huh? be great. Hush. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, but like I was getting at is, I think some of the stuff they weren't able to translate because of you know moving from one medium to another may. I think that may build up. You know what I mean? Because it's like you're trying to explain things later that were explained in like you know you know, that were told to you in the book, but you're you know it's hard to show it to you. You know, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, am I blanking? Did they do the fear is the mind killer? speech in the movie they yeah. did that right okay. they did they just while well, jessica was pissing herself outside the fucking door that would have been blasphemous not to have yeah. it but that's, like that's the infamous quote that's great yeah for sure for sure i was just i was sitting there thinking for a minute yeah Sorry. i didn't like how they made her to be in that scene to be such a pussy because yeah. like i get it and i mean there was that one scene the uh bene jesuit like uh mother or whatever the hell they call them the grandmother what the fuck they're called but um, Grand Wizard, I don't know. But um, I, I don't know what the hell. They're oh no, they do selective breeding. You can't call them Grand Wizard. We're getting a spicy territory. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I know that she has said one point, like said to something to Paul about how much strength that takes to do what she's doing, like knowing that her son could die, and she's guarding the door of like, you know, where her you know son is or whatever that might die. And but in my head, when I envisioned that in the book, I just envisioned Jessica. It's essentially having this battle inside her head and being a stone cold. But in the movie, they felt the need to show you how like upset she was. Whereas yeah. I feel like it almost would have been better to show her being stone cold. And then I don't remember if the, 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 the Bene Jesuit mother or whatever the hell she's called. I forget what their term was for like their big bitch. 
but Reverend, uh, mother. Reverend mother. Reverend mother. Yeah, I think that's it. But uh, I I don't remember if she said it or not. But she, I know in the book, she says something along the lines of like, you know, I don't. Uh, you'd be surprised. Like you, like you don't understand how much strength that takes to be able to do that. And I feel like it would have shown more strength for her to be, you know, completely stone cold serious. Maybe you could see like maybe a little bit of a quiver, like a quick quiver. Yeah, I'm sure there's a way like a good yeah, actress could show. Like it. yeah, hinting like a. But then again, they'd have to portray her as strong throughout the entire rest of that, yeah. way stronger, and then have that moment where you just see it slightly crack. And that would be mm. way more powerful of like, oh, here's this fucking stone cold killer, and, and you can kind of see her under the surface, like falling apart, but looking strong on the outside. That would be yeah. cool. That might just be because we're a bunch of bro dudes, and I don't yeah. know, maybe maybe I, it landed uh, for other people, but I agree with you completely. Yeah, well, but in the book, crap. the way they show <laughs> in the book, the way they show her is that like, yeah, she has amazing emotional control, but it doesn't mean she doesn't have emotion. Like they're like, and that's what you get out of the book, is you can get her inner monologue, and you can tell in the in the inside she's fucking torn up. Losing but she shit. on the outside has got her shit controlled and on lock, and she's just a stone cold killer. Like even the scene, the first time she had the scene with the the I forget the name of the chick, but the the one I don't know servant or whatever the the Fremen servant. Like in the book, they kind of give you the whole inner monologue and how like she even at moments is kind of borderline terrified. Like oh, one wrong move here and I fuck it all up, and she's gonna be suspicious to me. She might try to kill me. Whatever. Blah blah blah. And like you can tell, like even on the inside, there's like fear and emotion and whatever. But on the outside, she's just fucking stone cold. Like she knows what she has to do. She's got her shit together. And I mean, I, I guess it is once again the mediums translating. But I do think they could have totally had her be stone cold and given some sort of verbal exposition of like, oh, you don't realize how strong she is. She still has emotions. Something along those lines. Which right. just like Something. with the Reverend Mother, what she said was like, like she said that one line about how you know how how much strength that takes to do what she's doing you know so i, I do you know. i do love so much the sign language because because it it makes perfect fucking sense of like if you are a bunch of devious evil political scumbags that are constantly fucking each other over and you're always in these situations where like it, it's verbal warfare and people are trying to assassinate each other and stuff you would probably it makes perfect sense to me like yeah you'd want to know sign language you'd want to like be be able to go behind your back and quietly tell your guard like oh shit's about to go down like you know like i just i love those little details because uh you know i i i hate when people are stupid in stories just for the story to continue to be convenient for the plot somebody does something dumb dune is totally sanitized of that everyone in this is acting wickedly intelligent and everything makes sense and it falls together there's never like, character right yeah like like there's never that moment of like oh well let's split up gang to like make the story <laughs> go forward you know like it's just it's great so sorry I just had yeah to like uh god the guy played by josh brolin i remember he's not the most intelligent guy and like in the in the book he's super suspicious of jessica and later he tries to kill him but like and he is kind of dumb in some ways but it's in character for him like it makes sense. Like they're very good at keeping their characters in character in the Dune universe. Yeah, he's he's head of security. His whole thing is to to not fucking trust anybody. He he is the yeah. war master. So like, pretty sure don't in uh, like in the book doesn't Duncan Idaho get like drunk and accuse yeah accuse Jessica like publicly yeah yeah who so, who am I thinking of? I know Duncan Idaho is the one character, but there's that Ger other character Gurney Halleck. Hall Halleck. Okay, cool. Gurney. Yeah. Gurney, Gurney that was that, that's Gurney. the memorable name Gurney all right yeah. I, you know what I think I want to go with our favorite scenes from the book not the movie 
and I, I, my favorite one now I'm thinking about it. I think I want to say my probably my favorite. Maybe I'll change my mind later. But I think my favorite scene from the book is that one scene where they're like they're meeting with like local big wigs within the community. And it's Jessica and Leto having to interact with them. And, and then even then, at some point, Leto has to leave and Paul stays. And it's just cool because they go through the whole inner monologues of Leto, of, of fucking of Jessica, of Paul, and how they like completely just next level autism, big brain, the fucking situation and like in our playing all these fucking people just with every little thing, just every little, you know, you know, mannerism, everything. It's, Everything's it's, calculated. Yes. It's such a great fucking scene and shows what these characters are it's amazing uh and i'll, I'll have you guys i want to get your best scene and then we'll, we'll do plugs and get yeah out I, I, I'll, I'll i'll be quick with mine just because i already talked about it but definitely the, the 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 final knife fight scene with paul of just i i, I love the ideas uh, like i said i love things where i think about that and i'm like yeah that makes sense to where you know you have these instances in history that we never had an opportunity to see, but we've made entire shows about of like, you know, ancient warriors and stuff like what would happen if you, you took a samurai and a native American together. Like they probably have be like, what the fuck is this guy doing? You know, <laughs> like they'd be so confused looking at each other. And then you blow that out to extreme where it's like, Oh, I'm literally on the other side of the galaxy. I have an entire different technological, cultural mannerisms, everything of how I conduct myself. And now I am clashing with someone else who's polar opposite and it doesn't matter how skilled we are because neither of us know what the other hell, what the hell the other person is doing. And I just I, I love that because that's not something that you can write very easily because because you're what makes sense to you. You're going to write usually. And, and Herbert does a really good job of kind of taking it outside of himself and being like, this is an alien culture. They're doing, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to try to sanitize it at all like they do something completely different and it all kind of comes down into that that one little knife fight scene and it's, it's small but it's really cool and i just i don't know also i'm a giant combat fucking dork so i'm just like yeah fight scenes in books <laughs> yeah i really can't stress enough how much is lost in translation from written to scene because so much of what's great about dune is like the inner monologues and things are happening and you are able to see how like everything is calculated and that was actually one i was listening to some other review to kind of get ready for this and that was, they were actually saying that, that for a lot of people who read it that's one of their biggest downfalls in some senses because especially i guess it would make sense for like a woman critique is not to be sexist but they they make the characters unsympathetic because almost every one of the characters is isn't really being emotional i mean there is emotion there but it is very like, and maybe that's why it appeals to our crowd so much, but it's like next level autism. Like everything is like, you know, breaking down like, well, if this, then this. And like, you know, just completely like looking at everything from a utilitarian perspective. And it is, it's, it's just wild. But for me, I love it. I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, and, but I, I can see how some people would see that and be like, these characters aren't sympathetic. They're thinking through every little situation. Maybe I'm just a shitty person and that's how I live my life. Cause I do kind of, to some extent, like the inner monologues, they have that. It's kind of how I sort of think through my life yeah. to some extent. Plus, I mean, you're talking I'm... about, about people running like galactic spanning <laughs> empires that are at the risk of assassination or death at every fucking moment. Like, yeah, they're going to be neurotic as hell about <laughs> everything, you know? Yeah. But, but you're you're right and I, I agree with that which is why i like arthur c clark and uh it's it's very not uh normie friendly because it's like hey do you want or or, or uh, another example is rl salvatore who does the D, D books like you want two page 
spread describing the thought process of a person in a 15 minute fight, uh, you know, knife fight, <laughs> like every single thought and motion carefully written down and explained. I'm like, yes, <laughs> give me that. All right, Pat, what, what was your favorite scene from the book? So I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was when uh, Paul was just kind of, I don't know if it, it was his, like his first spice hit, but where he really starts to see time in the way that it's explained is, you know, he's like going in these crests and valleys, like walking over hills. And sometimes he crests and he can see more things. Uh, but going off my comment earlier was the the whole interplay between fate and hubris and trying to control what your fate is, knowing what your fate should be potentially, but trying to mess with that timeline. And I think that um, that scene where he's contemplating, like he sees the jihad unfolding and he thinks that, you know, I could go further down the path. And I don't know if that takes place during the knife fight necessarily. Uh, it's been a while, but that, yeah, that was, it, there's, there's elements yeah. in that because he, his ego start like his ego with time starts because he saw that he was supposed to die in that knife fight well in one of the futures but he didn't so yeah. that that's like kind of where the seed gets planted of like oh maybe i can avoid avoid this horrible future that he ends up not avoiding at all <laughs> right yeah, yeah yeah and um i don't know it, it i'm in my own life i like to believe that things happen for a reason and uh maybe that's naive of me but in this it seems like you can have a long debate about whether or not there is a predestined fate that everything's supposed to unfold one way. And you see that with like the Bene Gesserit who have been planning for thousands of years for the, uh, what quiz Quiznos heart attack. Quiznos heart attack. <laughs> and, you just, thank you for ruining Dune for me. Forever, Jose. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. I'm never going to be able to unhear that. now. I can't even think of what it, the real word is now. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> so fucking hard to say. Yeah. But they, I mean, they've been plotting for thousands of years and then everything just kind of unfolds the way it's going to fucking unfold. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, I do really like how they he describes like his little trips. And it is almost like to me it is like not to keep saying like autism and shit like it, but it is like it's almost like this next level big brain time where it's like it, it's almost his perception of time and and reality and like, you know, possible timelines is just like it's the cumul accumulation of information and possibilities and that's why it's not even necessarily that it's like he is actually seeing the future. It's a it, it is kind of, could be just his mentat, you know, skills popping in of like, you are just such a next level computer and sucking in so many information that you're able to just fucking, you know, make educated guesses of where this goes. And that's kind of why, like, say with him dying, it was kind of like, oh, well, that's one possibility. And, you know, the better he gets at this, the more clear the future becomes. That's kind of why it is like, I do love how Dune just blurs the line of what's magic what's science what's you know like because it is like i don't know this could just be this could be some magic bullshit yeah. or this could just be that he's goddamn fucking super computer like and like he's just able to they, you know they, you know, they do touch they on that a little shit. Yeah, yeah they do touch on that a little bit in the books and i do like it of kind of the idea of like left brain versus right brain sort of thing because because paul is is fucking around with very nebulous spiritual like not you cannot quantify kind of things but then he's also kind of quantifying them <laughs> so you know like like it, it they play in around with that and it's, it's fun all right will what was your favorite scene from the book 
Well, there's there's so many, but the one that I always or like have been going back to and pondering on is the Gom Jabbar Gom Jabbar scene mm-hmm. that uh how it just like talking about like how to get your hand out of the trap of like thinking about it and like what separates human from animal and like I don't know. I just I just love that scene. Love the whole fucking thought process behind it. Re- it sets really the cool. tone so well. Oh, so well. And yeah. it's something I've I've sat there and like just kind of like in the real world thought about about how I address situations myself. It's the opening um, scene of the fucking book. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, I mean, and I could sit there and go through the whole damn whole damn book. I, I loved it so much. Um. It, for years, like I said at the beginning of this, I was uh, shying away from it because how wacky the David Lynch one was. But it, it's really such a fucking beautiful piece of art that really like touches on humanity in like a really great way. Like science fiction fucking done right. Like I, I, I couldn't be more of an advocate of just like consuming every bit of it. It's yeah, yeah. It is great how like the way dune is is like no matter where you are on the political spectrum or whatever like you can kind of suck out something from it because it touches on so many different themes and so many different things and that's why it's like you know uh you know you could be a lefty you could be a hoppian you could be a fucking nrx you could be a full-on goddamn neo-nazi like you could be whatever and you could be like you could see things in here and there's like glimpses of truth no matter what perspective you're coming from and it, 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 I don't know, it's just, it, there, I don't know, I, it really is a beautiful work of art and it's fucking awesome. So far, like just from the one book I've read, I do intend on reading all of them and not all, all, but like the uh, Herbert ones and, uh, you know, reconvening. I think, Patrick, you said you didn't do, you haven't read anything but the first one, right? Or, or am I wrong? Uh, I've, I'm halfway through the uh, Dune Messiah right now. Which was that, the second one? The second one, yeah. All right, well. Well, hurry up and get to the fucking uh, God Emperor Dune, yeah. or maybe the ones after that, and we'll see, we'll see where we're at with that. Yeah. Um, but because uh, Magnus and Will, you guys got up to God Emperor, didn't you? Yeah, and I I've I've read I forget which one. It was like I said, it was a long time ago because I read all of them when they were out when I was younger. Like I think that was before his son started cranking stuff out. I read one of his son's book, but I didn't really get through it, so I gave it up. And that was when I was like, you know. A while ago i only went back and reread the first book you know like a year or two ago so i probably have to go back and and read them all again but well boy that's a that's a task that's, that's like a task. <laughs> that's a, that's like i'm gonna go back and watch all of game of thrones again it's like well, enjoy the <laughs> cool you just plotted the next year of your life you know for so. sure yeah that's yeah. why audiobooks are amazing <laughs> that that's for sure the audiobooks is why i was able to consume them all yeah. like just while, yeah. while i was working i crushed them all, all and the, all the, the, the dune audiobook the most the most recent one is probably one of the best like made audiobooks ever because they have like sound effects and music and all sorts of like shit in there it's not just like an old white guy being like all the trading oh went out into our like no there's actually it's great <laughs> So I didn't I, have I sound effects on mine. I had an old born white dude, just Paul the traded, <laughs> and I was still captivated. I loved it. Oh, I, listened, yeah. I listened to all, all of the, the Game of Thrones books, and it's 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 this amazingly sweet old white dude. <laughs> it's like it, fiction on audiobook is like I was very suspect about fucking 
doing Dune because anytime I've done fiction, it's very rare that a fiction audiobook is good. Like I can do theory audiobooks and shit and just listen to it and kind of just like drone on and sort of catch bits in here and there. But like a fiction book that you kind of have to actually pay attention to the whole thing and there's different characters and this and that. It, like a, a monotone, boring old man voice, just I just it drives me up the wall. Like that's why audiobooks generally just theory shit for me. Like the narrator is so yeah. important in the audiobooks. Yeah. They can yeah. ruin. They can ruin you. Th- uh, Thaddeus Russell that we know his book Renegade History. Love the book. The narrator about killed me. It is <laughs> the most boring British. Like oh, it's bad. But like yeah. in anything, it's the narrator is so much key. I guess I, I can do I can do like theory shit or like nonfiction with a any narrator. But yeah. it becomes fiction, it becomes way more important. But uh, yeah. we're at a good spot. Let me go ahead and drop our plugs. Uh, I guess we'll start with you, Will. Whatever plugs you got, I don't know what you. I know you got your your blueberry wine. Blueberry <laughs> wine, the best blueberry wine in the world. I swear by. Um, me and my family make it. Grow oh, the blueberries, man. make the wine, all that send kind of me, jazz. Send me some blueberry wine, bro. <laughs> right on, man. Hey, hit me up. We'll talk about it. Oh yeah. I've, uh, Reed Coverdale's been like uh, my personal uh, spokesperson lately. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, we're we're moving it out throughout Georgia. Just got our distributor, kind of pumping it up, trying to trying to really push it, and then. We can ship to about 37 different states. So if anybody's interested, check out rabbiteyewine.com. We're on different social medias. And um, no shows for me. I'm just I'm just here for the lols and shit posting and all that kind of shit. You send me free alcohol. I'll plug that shit all day. I'll, I'll, I'll do it episode, you know? Hit me up. <laughs> yeah. uh, Patrick, what you, what you got? Yeah, what's up? So I do the Liberty Weekly podcast. Uh, I'm featured on the Libertarian Institute libertarianinstitute.org and um i so my podcast i i do like kind of deep dive stuff and i'm working on a documentary right now about the manhattan project except there's a secret group of scientists who injected people with plutonium for no reason except to see what happened and so i'm doing like a docuseries on that the first episode should be coming out in a couple weeks so i'm just trying to plug that it's really messed up and uh, they like sprayed things in the air in St. Louis and in Minneapolis just to see what would happen. So a bunch of people said they got cancer. So this happened all through the Cold War, but check it out. Oh, yeah. You want you want some some good libertarian fertile grounds of talking about how fucking horrifying the government is, the Cold War and the nuclear program. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. for that. I, I, I always bring up the CIA program where they gave a dolphin LSD and had a woman fuck it to try to there's so much like that. That's good. I'm have to check that out. That made me think of the, the scene from the men who stared at goats where they just like shot a puppy in the face or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> That's a great movie that everyone should check out. The men who stare at goats. And surprisingly, a lot of that stuff is like legit shit where they like, I guess the, uh, the government was going into like psyop type stuff. Uh, it, yeah. it, amazing movie. I, I thought it's fucking hilarious too. But uh, Magnus, what are your plugs? Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm just Panvidia Magnus on Twitter. Uh, I make cons- I make a uh, anarchy art and sell like posters and flags and phone cases and shit like that. You can find that at a uh, conspira-t.com/shop. I'm I'm working on a shirt right now, and I just released another one like just a couple days ago that's super cool and then i have a series of uh, all the famous anarchists 
that I'm doing on there where I just have like a quote from them and then it's all vaporwave and cool looking. So that's what I do. Otherwise, I just uh, I travel around the country and, and, and yell at law enforcement and federal agents. So, yeah. You know, you're not doing your, uh, your show anymore? or are you, No, you that, that, that's on indefinite hiatus just because like my life's fucking wild right now. So. <laughs> Gotcha, dude. Uh, all right, with that, this is the No Way Jose show. Uh, I'm on YouTube. Uh, I'm on all the major audio pad catchers. I'm on Odyssey as well. Definitely go to Odyssey. Like I said, I you know I like money, so Patreon.com is No Way Jose 2020. But if you don't want to pay money, go to fucking uh, go to Odyssey, and then you, you pretty much don't have to. Pretty much most of the perks there. You just go there. You you will get like this right here. Like I said, an anomaly. I did a live stream today. Normally this is behind a paywall. So if you want that you know get you know give me two bucks a month or fucking go to odyssey i highly suggest going to odyssey i mean i'm not even saying give me two bucks a month i mean i like that but go to odyssey i want more people on odyssey because uh, one of these days we're gonna we're gonna get fucked uh that's one thing i learned from facebook is you, they will get you eventually so uh we're all yeah. likely to get fucked very soon yes so. <laughs> just wait until the next next election i'm i doubt yes. any of us will survive if yeah. anybody owned their original Twitter account or anything, nope. <laughs> are you? You might be Patrick, but you don't use Twitter that whole lot, do you? Well, I actually I had a Liberty Weekly Twitter, but then I quit the show for a little while and I deleted it. I had like four okay. or five thousand subs, but yeah, I'm back. Never, never gotten a uh, suspension or no. Not, I think that you're not too naughty, huh? I think it means I'm controlled opposition. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. No, the rule is if you're still on Facebook now, you're a federal agent. That's why Reed Coverdale is definitely sus. <laughs> so, everyone here has fucking Fed accusations, except for me, who was an actual Fed at one point. Where's <laughs> the kids of me? Is this Will Bellboy? Come on, man. <laughs> I almost brought up on the screen they're making fun of your name because it's three letters, so it's like every fucking like agency. <laughs> but yeah, I'm also at 2020 No Way Jose is my Twitter if you want to go in there. I do have fun on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, uh, please go follow me there. I did like once we were saying, like we were saying, uh, not like Pat's the only one here that's on his actual that hasn't been nuked. I got nuked not too long ago. To be fair, I said retard three times in the same tweet. So I mean, I was kind of, <laughs> I, I, it's not, it was to be expected. Uh, but whatever, I mean, it wasn't in, in, in malice. I was just messing with one of my buddies. It was literally like, but whatever, that's, that's good enough to get you. But yeah, like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good shit. With that, we are out. Appreciate you guys coming. Boom, done. Deuces. I'm going back to bed.